I think a healthy fear of death and understanding, yeah, I've got, I'm, I'm mortal, you know, I only have so much time. Let me do it pursuing what I want to do. Why wait? Hey, this is Ed Barnett bringing you episode number eight of the Coffee Man Show. It is good to be back. Things are brewing hot and cold to bring you more on the latest and greatest in coffee. We are dealing with the wow factor in coffee, folks, from both the origins of the beans and the specialty cafes. Listen up for value in the way my guests operate and do business, as well as their unique delivery of single-origin coffees. And as far as specialty coffee and the single-origin buzz, my guest today touches on the unfortunate perception sometimes associated with high-end coffee shops. But I'm here to tell you, I walked into Bar 9 and felt welcome and I bet you will too. The Coffee Man Show is alive and well, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for upcoming goodies. This time, I battled LA traffic on the notorious 405 to get to Bar 9 in Culver City, and it was worth it. My guest today is Zaid Nakib. Zaid is someone who has wasted no time in his seven years in the coffee business. Bar 9, only open for about seven months, is his first brick-and-mortar business, and I'm impressed. Listen up for the ingredients that have helped him succeed. Welcome, Zaid Nakib. Let's go. Well, we really want to cover you know, a couple of aspects of, of this here, Zaid. That is you personally as an entrepreneur, and then your cafe here, and what you do with that, and, how, and the story of that. So okay. it is a lot to cover in a little bit of time. Sure. But uh, why don't you introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background. We do want to get to know who you are, and then uh, tell us about the first idea of Bar 9 and how that came about. Uh, my name is Zaid Nakib. I'm the founder of Bar 9 here in Los Angeles, specifically Culver City, beautiful city. Um, I've been in the coffee business for almost seven years, and... Um, a few years ago, I did this really terrific event called Transmission LA that Mike D of the Beastie Boys curated. It's at Mocha Geffen, and it was a almost three-week festival of art, food, and music. Um, and he and the co-curator of the exhibit, Rob McKinley, designed this fantastical installation that was also a coffee bar. Um, and it was... I was hired to operate it and run it... Um, and I helped kind of design the flow so that it could actually also be functional and we could serve people out of it. Um, but it was housed in this tent of metallic lights. A lot of the kind of nitty-gritty of what makes operations of a coffee bar was very hidden out of sight. Um, and what was left was just this really beautiful experience. Um, and that was one of the first things that got me thinking that, okay, this is interesting. We can really change, you know, um, guest experience and expectation. Uh, through something that we create. And I'd been wanting to pursue something of my own for a while. I'd been a manager and barista. Um, and that really got me inspired to just kind of go for it. So then about a month after that finished up, I started writing the business plan for Bar 9. Um, and then one thing kind of led to another pretty quickly. And then uh, and two years later, here we are. So, What were some of the first steps? You had the idea from that experience. What were some of the first steps you took? You, um, you made the business plan. Yeah, the business plan took about six months to write. Um, I wanted to create a company where guest experience was the first priority. And so I tried to think about that in a lot of different ways. At the time, we weren't sure whether or not we'd be roasting. And um, 
I, and mostly I just wanted to work for myself. I was just kind yeah. of tired of working for other people. Um, so it just started conceptualizing, okay, what are the ways that we can improve the standard guest experience? And so some of the first ideas were lowering the counter, trying to open it up as much as possible, um, creating an open space. And then roasting kind of made sense with that. I'm the kind of person that wants to control as many aspects of the guest experience as possible. So being able to, you know, curate the coffees that we are really excited about and roast in the way that we think, you know, unlocks their secrets in the best mm. way, um, seemed to make sense. And so, um, I was originally looking for spaces in the South Bay. It's where I live. Um, and so does my business partner who I met about maybe two or three months after writing the business plan. Okay. Um, and we were kind of looking around. We weren't really sure the scope of the business. We just knew our basic ideals, which would be um, hospitality, sustainability, quality. Um, so if I could stop you there, yeah, you met please. this person. You said your business partner. Yeah. And you met them four months in after you had been thinking about this idea. Yeah, it was, it was one of those really funny circumstances. I was looking for investors at the time um, and and had several interested parties and that was very exciting to me. And then his name is Jeremy and we met because he was renovating a house next door to mine that was gonna be his house. Uh, so we were neighbors and we just got, we started chatting and became fast friends. And you know, business was never on either one of our radars, but he's been a successful entrepreneur with several things in garment sales and software. Um, and every time, you know, we would talk about coffee, I would just, you know, enthuse and get so excited. And he's like, have you ever thought about doing anything on your, of your own? And I said, well, that's all I think about. Um, I showed him the business plan and he got really excited about it. Um, we connected more over wine first because he's kind of, he's got a huge wine collection as a big enthusiast of, nice. uh, of great wine, particularly French wines. Um, and coffee was something he appreciated, but didn't have a tremendous amount of knowledge about. Okay. Um, but so we just, I mean, I had a little sample, a little home roaster, which is now our sample roaster here. I roasted him some of the stuff that I was working on and he was very excited and we thought, you know what, let's just go for it. So we didn't know exactly the size of the business, if we'd be roasting right away, but we knew what our ideals were, um, and the basic vision of the business. Um, at that point, we just started searching for locations, and we decided at that point that we didn't want anybody else involved. We just wanted it to be the two of us. We had a really great kind of creative synergistic relationship where we both just got each other really well. Uh, so I feel very lucky about that. You know, no, I we're think not, that's important. Yeah, we're not managed by a board or anything. It's yeah. just it's just the two of us making decisions. So we're able to make them a lot quicker and be really effective with that. Um, and Culver City, we thought it would be a great, you know, part of town, but we didn't have too many ideas about it. Uh, we had a kind of a hard time finding a space. We were, we talked with some uh, real estate people, and then I ended up finding up uh, finding this space on Craigslist, which was very surprising, and it looked too good to be true, um, and it wasn't. It was it was perfect, and so we fought hard for it. We were in competition for the space with a few other people who weren't interested in doing food. It was pretty much a blank canvas at the time. Well, let me just um, say, um, you know, this is my first time here. I've heard about you. I made the trip down and uh, already having a great experience. And I, I love that you're right on the edge of a neighborhood. Yeah. So, yeah, bring us right in the front doors and, um, you know, continue on with, with how you got the place. 
Yeah, I mean, um, well, I mean, I think the the first thing that we wanted to accomplish in any space was kind of putting yourself in a situation where you're stepping into another world. So we're surrounded by lots of warehouses um, and industrial as well as large residential communities. So we have a really interesting mix there uh, between like post-production people and architects working in the area um, and then just families. Uh, mm. So we get to see both worlds. Um, but we don't have major signage out front um, for a reason. We want people to kind of to seek us out and walk in and go, okay, this is coffee, but maybe not. I don't know. I can't tell right away, but it's different and I want to learn more. Um, so we kind of want to be able to, you know, throw out expectations um, and start fresh. And that's hard to do when you've got a storefront, you know, on a main walkway or, mm. or drag because you're, you're kind of carrying your day into the shop, whatever kind of shop or restaurant you might be going to by having to park and then kind of walk up a little bit longer driveway and to kind of these grand doors and then it's very you know unique or different inside uh, we can kind of start fresh and have a new experience together um, the way we roast coffee is lighter than most people are accustomed to the way we extract it is a little bit different um, and our equipment is very unique. We use uh, Mod Bar, which is a pretty wonderful uh, new company out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, it's all under-the-counter modular equipment. So you've got this really low bar where there's no really visible espresso machine in sight or blocking the way. Right. It's just a person greeting you. Um, and that's, to me, a much more powerful experience because when you can connect with that person, um, or on our, on our side, if you can be on the guest side right away, um, you can kind of guide them through what we're doing, and it becomes just really simple. Here's some great coffee. Let's share it together. Um, yeah. And that's and then you can see the roasting operation right on the main floor, which is important to us. That's some too. beautiful equipment you have there. Yes, we. Uh, it's been fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, because so I just experienced you know what you described. I mm -hmm. drove up, thought, okay, my map tells me I'm here. I'm looking incredibly looking brick red brick building here park walk down and boom just kind of a surprise yeah but really neat vibe there and uh lots of action lots of people obviously things going on so i was just drawn in um but it's uh, great to hear that yeah it makes me i happy. think no the way what you were describing there was was what i just experienced coming over the first time good i mean, I mean then we hope for that but you know you set these kind of lofty goals and you just hope to achieve some version of that you know i used to do uh film work before doing uh, before falling into coffee, you know, head first and never wanting to get out of it. <laughs> and, you know, the experience when you do something sort of creative, which, you know, putting together a space has a lot of similarities, is that you, you have, like, this kind of pure concept, and then reality hits, and you've got to try to find a way to make it real um, and deliver on the promise that you have in your mind. And that's not easy to do. So if anybody feels kind of how you felt, I just feel really happy and fortunate that we pulled off at least some version of it. You know? Yeah, right on. So you mentioned the low bar. Give us a little more on the on the guest experience. Um. Well, I mean, a lot of our, um, when you walk in, you'll also notice that a lot of our offices and production are behind glass walls. Um, everything is, we, we like the idea of transparency in the right way. It's like you don't want to see water pipes under the counter. That's not the sexy side of coffee. 
but you want to see beautiful equipment and coffee kind of just happening. Um, and we have, uh, because we are a roasting company first, the, the retail experience is hugely important to what we do. Um, but the core of everything that we do is the coffee. Um, so being able to kind of showcase that in a way that is not often seen is pretty exciting to us. Um, you'll see our, our, you know, our roasting team of Mitchell, James, and Brittany cupping coffee, and like they're doing it right now, and um, they're they're doing a, a QC cupping of yesterday's roast. So every you know after every roast date, we do a production cupping, and we sh we check each batch and make sure things are to our standards and think of ways to improve them. Being able to see that is pretty cool. Um, and then the green coffee storage is right on the main floor as well. So we kind of want it to feel like you're sort of on the factory floor. And then the stuff that's not so fun to see, like some of our office equipment, we that, that we hide behind a wall. It's behind the you know, fog glass. Because <laughs> that, that's not that interesting. But um, everything that is, we'd like to show. Because I'm fascinated by the process um, of bringing coffee in, roasting it, really trying to get something out of it, and then sharing it with people. Um, mm. And I think you don't. I think a lot of folks don't always understand the amount of hands and work that goes into each cup. So showing that in a way that is nicely presented is cool. That's a big part of the, our thought process in putting together this space. Mm. All right. So you have this incredible space here. We've heard a little bit about the vision, your partner coming together. What were some of the obstacles you encountered? There had to be some, whether oh, there were plenty. Whether it was your internal, your thinking, mm -hmm. you know, personal or, or external things, you okay. know, give us some of that. Um, for better or worse, I didn't have a lot of internal struggles. I had a pretty set idea of what I wanted to accomplish and I feel very fortunate that now that we're open we are um, there were a lot of external battles there's not there's a reason there's not a lot of coffee roasters particularly who have a retail storefront in the same location operating in Los Angeles because the health department isn't really a big fan of that down here um, so that in and of itself getting through the health department while trying to do manufacturing and retail out of the same space um, it's tricky. It's also tricky with, uh, with the city as well. I mean, they, when we kind of pitched this idea of this really open floor plan to them, it took a lot of uh, back and forth and a lot of convincing on our part that we could actually do it and it would be okay. And like they wanted us to put up walls like right in the middle of the floor and we had to figure out ways that, okay, we can't put up a wall, but maybe we can put up you know, this really beautiful aluminum bar that we can now use for seating. But getting there was just a lot of back and forth. And it took about a year for us to get through between the city, the health department, and air quality management districts, because there's a lot of very strict uh, environmental regulations in Southern California, which mm -hmm. I support and I'm all for. I think that's awesome. It's just a lengthy process. And I've chatted with other friends who have opened up roasting works in LA, some with retail, some that, have, that don't have retail. And it's a pretty similar story. Some of the roasting guidelines for AQMD and everything are changing. They're getting easier, which is great. For us, it was a bit of work, but it was worth it in the end. Uh, throughout the process, though, it, it did present other opportunities. We did not get open anywhere near when we wanted to, which is obviously uh, something that a lot of especially first-time business owners say because you just don't have any idea the, when you're starting the process 
how complex it actually is to get going. So one day we decided, okay, we've got, we're just here. We're just, you know, we're, we're making coffee, we're roasting it, we're tasting it, and we're trying to get through bureaucracy. If somebody comes by, we'll just open up the door, and, or open up the doors. If somebody comes by, we'll just make them a coffee and uh, start testing it out for real. And that soon spread, that word spread pretty quickly, and then all of a sudden we had people who kept coming to us thinking that we were open when we were just giving away coffee at that point. So we had kind of like this quasi-real cafe before we had one that was actually open, and we were able to test out a lot of ideas and it was like this great kind of like beta testing phase mm. that lasted a few months as we were finishing up the permitting process so by the time we actually opened we had a really good idea of what worked what didn't what ideas that we conceptualized that ended up making sense and ones that were we ended up shaking our heads at going what were we thinking that could never have worked um but the only way you learn these things is by doing it for real yeah. um so we, and I think it, it all ended up working out for the best because of that. Because by the time we opened, we felt like, yeah, we know what we're doing. As opposed to, uh, let's just figure this out. Which is how we felt at the start of our kind of soft open phase. So the layout of the bars and then you have kind of a railing um, mm -hmm. around the roasting equipment. Yeah. The placement, all that that I took for granted as I walked in was quite an ordeal. The placement of that or... Yeah, I mean, all of it, you know. I mean, one of my original ideas was, oh, wouldn't it be cool if the only walls we have for our office were gallery walls that we could move around and, you know, the space could change depending on our uses, and that just would never fly with anybody. So uh, <laughs> there are a lot of things that just sound like great ideas, but um, they have to fit into boxes that are kind of predetermined. So yeah. when you want to try something that is a bit new or different, you have to be really smart, creative, um, and know how to work the system so that you can get it while still fitting in with all of the, you know, with all the laws and guidelines that, that exist within the multitudes of departments that you have to get approved by. So right. um, it's a tremendous learning experience and one that you just don't get until you try. Did you have a day where you had gotten over a particular approval or something where you just had this breakthrough on any of that? I mean, just getting through the plan check process at the health department was very difficult. And when they finally stamped the approved plans, it was a big yay. Then you have to go through the inspection process. Sure. By the time all that went over, like it was, you know, we got through the, the final health inspection and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon and my team was with me and we were just exhausted at that point, you know. Uh, and then all of a sudden... The health inspector left, and we told everybody we were opening the next day, and we thought, oh, you know, we have some work we have to actually get done, and so it became kind of a crazy process. So only after about maybe a month of opening did I have that moment of, oh, wait, we did it. We did That's it. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> I was kind of just in the thick of it for a while, and, you know, stepping out and seeing the big picture is important, and uh, yeah. it took me a minute to get there. So you can experience that in retrospect then. Yes. So in hindsight, I can see it all incredibly clearly in the process, it, especially I think because I had in many ways had no idea what I was getting myself in for, which is probably probably would have been a good thing. Because I don't know if I would have tried something so ambitious otherwise. But um, yeah, I can see it all now and see all the steps and process and how to do it better next time, too. Yeah. Know? 
Well, I think this is a good time to spotlight you a little more because, you know, that ambition and just charging into something, you hadn't done anything like this before, I take it. No, I mean, I, I coordinated or? some events. I managed some coffee bars, and I was a barista at some good places. Um, I did... This is my first business. I did kind of sort of work for myself in high school. I did freelance post-production work, a lot of documentaries and music videos and stuff like that. And that was really fun. So I, I did learn, in a sense, how to be self-disciplined and how to get your work done when there's nobody telling you you have to get your work mm-hmm. done. But in terms of getting this thing off the ground, I had just kind of day-to-day real experience of being in coffee bars and doing events. and that is a very small window into what you need to learn to be able to open up a shop like this. Again, I think being naive was probably the best thing that could have ever happened because I just didn't know any better that, you know, on paper what we did should not have gotten approved in the way that we did it, but we were able to figure out a way just through perseverance. And I think that's really, when you're looking to start something, it's not really, I mean, talent and luck and vision are all incredibly important but what's more important is just perseverance and pushing through and getting up the next day and going okay well that yesterday didn't work out as well as i had hoped let's try again today you can't put your foot on the brakes at all in that process you just have to keep going and that's i mean that's the same thing once you're open it's still about persevering and you know getting up every day and trying to push forward in some way right Um, I think if you keep doing that, you can get where you want to go. And if you stop for a moment, then you start to fall behind. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's like that Woody Allen quote that 80% of life is just showing up. And I, especially when you're getting through uh, the process of opening up a store, that is definitely a very, very accurate quote. Right. Any more on your personal strengths? You have the artistic eye. You had the vision for this, you know, sales I and mean, that ability to sell the idea I think when I when I feel passionate about something I um, become all consumed by it Um, and so about five or six years ago is when I that really started to affect me with the coffee world I started to really get into a lot of the small tedious things first as a barista and learning about extraction and how to improve what I'm doing whether that's temperature or pressure that I'm applying to the espresso or whatever it might be I started to get really excited about all the small details Mm. I still am and then just the details that I'm looking at are just different details now a lot of it has to do with more roasting and uh, not in business operations but yeah I just get obsessed with something and I can't get off of it so and that's what and I still to this day feel that way about coffee um, and I don't think that's going to change anytime in the near or distant future so I think that always seems to get people excited is when you're passionate about something I think one of the reasons why we've been so fortunate so far and we've had such great response from our guests and from some of our wholesale accounts and some press is that we you know we we hope to be doing it anyway we're, we're trying to do something a little bit different um, and I think people tend to get excited by that. Um, and one of the, like, the things about that that I think we at least strive to do and strive to incorporate in all of our processes is the, kind of the concept of simplicity. You know, mm-hmm. let's just make this as straightforward and direct as possible. So with our coffee menu, when you come into the store, we serve one coffee a day. We just serve it every way we make coffee. We only curate 
three coffees at a time. We're not limiting ourselves to just going, we only want to serve three coffees. It's more about we only want to serve the best possible coffees that we can buy at a time. And you can't have seven or eight options and say that. Like, oh yeah, these are all amazing. That's really hard to pull off. I mean, it's hard to pull off having one you know, showstopper of a coffee. Like the one that you're drinking now, I'm super proud of, this Lomi Tasha from Ethiopia. It's as beautiful of a coffee as I could hope for. But getting those coffees requires an immense amount of planning and time and then some financial resources as well. Uh, but if we can consistently present something that, you know, we put in a ton of work and we focus on all the complex little tiny details and then our guests can come in um, or the folks that serve our coffee can purchase it and serve it to their guests and what they get is just this beautiful cup and they can't really quantify why and that's that's that's, that's okay that's what we want to be about just sharing kind of a beautiful experience mm-hmm. and you can't do that if you overcomplicate things and i don't think you can do that in business if your business isn't streamlined no matter and that i think has to go with every aspect of what you do you know we don't have any committees or boards or weird management structures it's very flat it's just good ideas win mm-hmm. and we try to make those what we pursue um and so sometimes you know we can we'll have a great idea on a tuesday and by friday we're implementing it somehow and sometimes it requires more effort to get those kind of things started but we don't want to wait we just want to push forward and that's one of the beautiful things about being a startup and being small is that we don't have anybody telling us what we can't do Mm -hmm. um it's all about what we can do and hopefully we're just making the right decision. Well, I mean, that's great. I mean, this is all good stuff and it's transferable, just how you operate and what you're doing. One of the, the things here with the Coffee Man Show is to inspire entrepreneurs. And I think there's transferable uh, ideas and, and, and things that can go in any field. Have you, uh, can you recommend any book that, that has helped you or influ- uh, yeah, influenced I mean, the been, way you do business? Or There's been a few books that I've really appreciated over time. Uh, I mean, years ago, I read The Way of Tea, and uh, a lot of, one thing that really stuck with me with that was that um, it's kind of appreciating all of the small moments and finding the beauty in those, and so, in the way that we think about service here, we try to focus on a lot of the small moments, and mm. it's like with your carafe and your small cup, being able to kind of pour a little bit at a time and really get the most out of that experience and take and put thought and intention into the way we approach our service is a big motivator for us here. I loved, loved, loved uh, Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. Um, That was just a terrific book that really opened my eyes up to the concept of enlightened hospitality and really being on the guest side. Um, It's things that I already felt innately, but it was just put together so well by him that you could see, okay, this is really great. This is a restaurateur who has a lot of successful restaurants and the principal core of all of these is treating people well mm-hmm. um, and that goes that starts with the employees that work for him um, it moves on to the community and you know lastly vendors and uh, investors so that has been very beneficial I mean there are and uh, very um, inspirational for me I mean the team that we have here I am immensely proud of and 
they're all smarter and better than me at whatever it is they're doing and I'm just I just hope to put them in a position where they can succeed because then we succeed better together right and we treat each other well and then that will then translate to treating our guests well so uh, yeah I mean I think to anybody who's looking to get into anything food service related that is a great book to read um, and then there was a, a, a wonderful book that I read a little more recently called insanely simple uh, which was uh, written by Ken Siegel, who is the creative director at Shiat Day, um, talking about his experiences with Apple and kind of the power of simplicity in what they do. I mean, I'd, I'd always been a big Apple fan, and I remember seeing the original iMac and my mind getting blown you know, when I was younger. <laughs> I'm like, oh wow, I've never. The computers can be, they just work, and it's sexy and cool, and I'd like to get, I'd like to learn more about this. And then, and then iPhone was. Um, as a piece of technology is, you know, simplicity, like in its most purest, beautiful form as a piece of technology. So that book was really great to kind of think about, you know, focus. And I think that's something that, you know, is one of the hardest things to maintain when you've got so many balls in the air. You know, we roast, we've got our cafe, we also do a nice food service as well. And we have a lot of small projects that we're trying to pursue as well that will hopefully come to fruition next year. Um, but maintaining focus throughout all that is the hardest thing because your mind is going in 300 different places at once. So that was a good, you know, that has been kind of a good guiding light to go, okay, let's make sure that whatever we're pursuing, whatever goal or project we're looking to do, does it enhance our core part of our business, which is sourcing and roasting great coffee? And then if the answer is yes, we go, awesome, let's pursue it. And if the answer is no, we don't. So I think, I mean, for me personally, those had, I think those those several books had some big impacts on me. And oh, thank are you. well worth reading for anybody um, if they're looking to get into business or not. Yeah. No, I'll yeah. put those in the show notes. And I cool. appreciate that. So just for a moment before we kind of shift gears here, can you yeah. speak to anyone out there just looking to get into their own business of their own, you know, in whatever field, just yeah. starting, you know, you, you just persistence is a key word you used earlier on what you did yeah I, I think as much as possible trying to understand whatever business you're looking to get into uh, not just jumping in so I mean you know if you're looking to do coffee work in coffee you know yeah. as whether you're a barista or you're you know packaging coffee in a roasting works so or whatever you're doing I think trying to understand as many of the small little details as possible that you can only get from working in whatever that industry might be. Uh, so, I mean, one small example, I've worked many coffee bars where there's one entrance and exit for the baristas working, uh, which can be really awkward if you're trying to bust tables or get in and out quickly. And every place that we have to get in and out of, whether that's like our dish pit area or the coffee bar or the roasting works, there's, al there's always two ways to get in or out. And that I learned just because I was desperate for that at other places that, that I worked at that just didn't work out. And I would only have learned that by doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think those, those, those small, tiny details um, and learning a lot of what to do, and what, especially what not to do, um, you can only get from working in that field. So That is beautiful. I think, and I think there's a lot of industries that are doing things the way they've always been done just because, yeah. just because of that reason, which is a terrible reason in itself. Well, it's easy to do what's been done. Yeah. I'm also of the personal opinion that if you're going to pursue something 
that you should try to be the best at it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard to do. I'm not saying that we're the best at what we do. We try to be, we hope to be. But if you're not pursuing that, I don't know what you're doing it for. You may as well just work for somebody else. If you feel like you've got an idea or a, a way to attack something or solve a problem that exists in, a, in an industry and you think that you can solve that problem, then pursue it. And if you don't, wait till you have that idea. Um, I think that I think a lot of people just open up because it sounds like it might be fun or they kind of been passionate about something but they don't have a lot of information or they don't they just do it too casually um, and they have a harder time succeeding because at the end of the day they're not trying to solve any problems that exist if you can create solutions to problems in any industry then you have value and if mm-hmm. you don't you're just another you're just you know a member of the pack yeah um, so I also am a person, and this is, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I like to pursue things that have a high potential for failure because I feel like that's what is, that's what gets me out of bed and that's what drives me. Um, I'd rather risk failure and, and then accomplish something great than not accomplish anything at all. Um, Again, I don't know if that's good advice or not. That's just how I operate. Well, that's a, that's a principle for living, and one I've tried to go by for some time is, uh, you know, and Pat Flynn has a quote, you know, I'd rather live a life full of oh wells than a life full of what ifs. Yeah. You know, what if I'd tried something? Oh, well, it didn't work. You know, yeah. what's worse? I mean, looking back, yeah. It's truly not the worst thing that can happen. I think, you know, I've, I've just, you know it's not permeating every day and every moment but i think a healthy fear of death and understanding yeah i've got i'm I'm mortal you know i only have so much time let me do it pursuing what i want to do why wait Mm -hmm. because there's never going to be the perfect right time to do something either right there's always i mean a tremendous amount of things that can that will get in your way but if you have that drive and you feel like you want to pursue it then pursue it well i think that's evident here that you you're one who's taken some steps and you've produced something incredible and amazing well, thank you so good for you i, I appreciate that yeah we, i i hope other people feel the same and if not we're just going to keep trying keep doing know? it good deal all right so in the front doors your business you've been here how long now uh well we've been open for seven months now. seven months um and then yeah before that we were in the space for almost a year prior to officially opening doors so what are some highlights of being open since you've, since you've been open and doing business? I think the biggest thing is just seeing a community form around the concept. I mean, that's, I can't speak to how grateful I am that there's you know, even one person that appreciates it and wants to come enjoy some coffee with us, let alone, I mean, I, to that is huge. Um, and you know, to see it continually grow at a pretty fast rate is also really exciting mm-hmm. uh, and feel super appreciative for it. Uh, and I think even more so than that, I'm just appreciative that there are these lovely people who are working with us. We have such, a, such an amazing team and that they buy into this concept and this vision and they want to be a part of it. Um, and they're all contributing something and making us better. And without them, you know, it doesn't, none of what I say or do ha- makes a difference at all. Can you think of a story, one story that's just, hey, you know, this encounter with mm. this customer or guest, 
Ethan, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, I mean, not one thing in particular, but one thing that does get me really excited and that does happen often enough to get me um, super stoked on it is that we get people coming in and they say things like, this is different. I've never had coffee like this before. Um, obviously, it'd be great to be better, um, and that that's a great goal for people to say, but better is very subjective, but different is not. That's objective. We there's, They always seem to be positive sayings that this is different, but um, that's super cool because there's so many people doing such similar things business to business, especially in coffee. I mean, LA is kind of ripe with a lot of people who are trying to do new things. And I think more than any other town in the country. And that's awesome. So even to be, to exist in that world and still have people say, this is different. That's kind of exhilarating. I mean, one thing that we do, um, that we started doing, um, that our educator and uh, retail manager, Peter leads every Sunday is we have a free public cupping, mm. um, where we, people can taste our entire menu and it's and it's it's educational with peter but it's also really fun and the majority of people um have not cupped coffee before um it's a completely new and foreign experience for them and peter kind of like gently guides them through the process and then they can taste three kind of remarkably different tasting coffees and get kind of hip to that really quickly one of the biggest driving forces for us as people is just kind of sharing this passion and love that we have for this product and something as simple as that. And so those are always so wonderful to see. And every Sunday is just exciting to see these excited faces who uh, have not quite experienced something like it before. All right, so that was looking back. Um, any exciting plans for the future? Zaid, you wanna announce here or talk about? Nothing quite concrete enough to announce. Okay. Um, but I think I mean, kind of what I was saying before about trying to solve problems, We, I, I see a lot of things in coffee. I mean, because coffee, and especially coffee, is a very, very young business as an entity. I mean, coffee obviously has been around for a long time. Right. Um, but people trying to pursue specialty things um, is very, very young. And so I think there's a lot of problems yet to be solved in coffee, and we're trying to solve them. And I, you know, sometimes I don't know exactly what these, which of these projects will come to fruition first, but we're working on a lot of fun things. And I think starting probably, you know, spring of next year, we'll be able to start talking about them a little bit more in depth. Okay. So. We'll keep, we'll keep an eye on you. Cool. So what, uh, as we wrap up here, Zaid, what, what excites you about the craft of coffee? Beyond just the... Um, excitement for the palate, which is kind of a big driving force for me in life in general. Like going mm -hmm. to great restaurants or having nice wine. Or, I just think that it's, there's just an endless amount to learn. And the more I'm in this business, the more I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get better every day. So, I mean, that started off um, working as a barista and learning a lot about extraction. Um, and a lot, I mean, now, I mean, looking at sourcing and talking with farmers about growing techniques and trying to jump into that world a little bit and my team knows a lot more than I do but I'm trying and uh, yeah and then really I mean the past few months I've been really kind of ingratiating myself with the roasting team and trying to really understand it in a way that I haven't before and there's 
just an insane amount of variables. So Mitchell and James are our roasting team. Mitchell's our lead roaster. James is head of QC and kind of business operations. And they're this like amazing kind of duo that can, I, I just, they blow my mind. And James is creating this data logging system for us for our roast, where we're analyzing 400 different variables for every roast that we do, which makes my head hurt. And I'm yeah. glad it's not my job to understand what those variables mean. But just that, just that alone is there's just so much to learn and to grow from and then and it excites me because we um, as people and as a startup are learning more every day about what we do even though we already had a lot of experience and expertise when we started the business and just what we've grown since we've opened um, in terms of quality and consistency and ability is the most I've grown in anything that I've done uh, career-wise and I think I can say the same for the team that's working here so that's cool. That also means that this time next year, we're going to be talking about things that we're, aren't even on our radar right now. Um, that's really cool, and I, I get excited about that. But then I think the most important thing and the reason I got into coffee and food service and hospitality in general is because I really, really love sharing a great anything you know whatever it might be in this case it's a great cup of coffee mm-hmm. uh, with the, and they all have their own interesting story and regions and everything um, but being able to provide that for people it's not you know it doesn't change the world in a big way but it might change people's lives a little bit every day and there's just nothing like pleasing a guest with something that you've done it's just it's so fulfilling um, and seeing that kind of like happy smile like all of the all the stuff that we geek out on and work towards like it, it's at the end of the day it's all about that moment and that experience and um, even you know we my head hurts from thinking about all the variables that we're looking at on our end um, to see that happen every day I mean I it's why I'll never stop doing this what do you think are some common misconceptions about coffee in general because I know the, the specialty market is mm-hmm. a small per, part of the, the entire coffee world yeah, if you will. that's a good question. I think I, I could probably answer that for a, a, a while. So maybe what I'll, I'll say instead is that a common perception that does exist, unfortunately, too often, because a lot of times it's true, is that coffee can be served by people who are kind of rude and snobby about what they do. And um, it's I feel like it's happening less and less in this town, which is great. Um but I think the thing that is the most important thing um, is making somebody feel happy and comfortable with whatever it is you're serving them. And I think more people are getting into that. And so there's been um, even a lot of friends of mine uh, who appreciate coffee, who are in the coffee business, have this idea of like, oh yeah, I love coffee, but pff, baristas, awful people and uh i can understand where they're coming from in some places uh so we hope at least in in our little corner uh to create an environment where that nobody ever feels that way and they just feel like these are really nice people and they're really excited about what they do um and so we're gonna we're just gonna keep trying for that every day and I mean, you go to I mean a great hotel. You've got you, you've got great hospitality or a Michelin restaurant, and you've got people treating you really well. And then you go to a coffee bar, and you've got you know this younger guy who's kind of like who feels like he knows more than you do, and, and you feel bad about that. And that's 
not cool, you know, because I mean, I, I think the and kind of what I was touching on before, the more you get into this world, the more you get humbled by the fact that you've got a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's what I hope to see more and more of. And there's a lot of great shops in LA now that are really focusing on that and changing their service models to focus on making people happy, not I feel intimidated. Yeah, I think you brought up a key point there, and I've just started really looking around L.A. myself, you know, starting up in Santa Clarita, been out to Pasadena, as you know, and yeah. at uh, Copa Vida and some different places, and there's just a welcome that I've experienced. Yeah, I mean, if you go into, you know, a great wine shop and you don't know anything about wine and you just go, you, you know, I don't know what the difference between a Sauvignon Blanc and a Chardonnay is, and if someone just explains that to you in a really nice, welcoming way and go, oh, I think you'll like this because you're saying you're like, you know, something that's crisp and dry, so don't buy that Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. Or maybe this one that's kind of a weird one that is not the norm, um, and you can get really you know, brought into that world in a nice way, like you feel really excited. Well, Zaid, as we close up here, how can people find Bar 9? Uh, well, I mean, we're, uh, we're fortunate we've got some great wholesale partners around town you can uh, see us at, hopefully more and more. But yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just coming on in uh we're you know in culver city at helms and national and we're open every day so we just we love to have new people come in and we get to share what we've been working on and hopefully make some friends yeah how about uh on the web how can you yeah we're there? at uh bar nine la.com and there's a link to our online store on there and then we're bar nine la on twitter and instagram as well we Social media has been awesome for us. It's been a fantastic way for us to uh, to reach new people, and it's kind of especially Instagram is that really cool. It's kind of like a visual yeah. word of mouth, and so it's been astounding the amount of people who've said, "My friend took a picture of your shop on Instagram, and I'm here." It's <laughs> like, really cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's incredibly powerful tool. So yeah, Bar Nine LA. Yeah, and then their address is three five one five Helms Avenue in Culver City. Another great story of a specialty coffee shop, a unique combination of roaster and cafe in Los Angeles County. Thanks to Zaid and Akib for his welcome and his coming on the show and sharing that with us. A few things about the Coffee Man show. We are alive and well. Things are happening. I'm going to probably just post a little short special service announcement of sorts. So keep your ears out for that. Until next time. Thanks for listening. This is Ed Barnett. Have a great day.